You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Psalm chapter number 63. If we could, can we read verses 1 uh, through 11 together? Uh, so we'll read chapter 63 together. Uh, ready? Begin. O God, thou art my God, early will I seek thee, my soul thirsteth for thee, my flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is, to see thy power and thy glory, so as I have seen thee in the sanctuary. Because thy loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise thee. Thus will I bless thee while I live. I will lift up my hands in thy name. My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness, and my mouth shall praise thee with joyful lips. When I remember thee upon my bed and meditate on thee in the night watches, because thou hast been my help, Therefore, in the shadow of thy wings will I rejoice. My soul followeth hard after thee. Thy right hand upholdeth me. But those that seek my soul to destroy it shall go into the lower parts of the earth. They shall fall by the sword. They shall be a portion for foxes. But the king shall rejoice in God. Every one that sweareth by him shall glory but the mouth of them that speak lies shall be stopped. Amen. I love to hear you read the scripture, and thank you for reading that. What a a powerful psalm this is. And uh, let's pray and ask the Lord to help us and to give us what we need uh, for this morning. Our Father, we love you. Thank you for all that we've enjoyed and all that we've been blessed with thus far. I thank you for the choir. I thank you for the special music. I thank you for the time of fellowship. Thank you for all of our Sunday school classes and Sunday school teachers and the time we enjoyed in Sunday school. I pray that you'd bless the junior church right now, bless our bus ministry as they're in uh, their uh, classes and their services. I pray that you'd please speak to those young people. I thank you for each and every person who's had a part. I thank you for those that are here and those that are watching and listening. And I pray that we would not miss what you have for us. Uh, But I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would be very specific as you point out and as you, you, you speak to us in areas that we need. Lord, I know I need this message. I need this truth. And it's helped me this week. And Lord, I want to live it. I want to practice it every day. I pray that you'd help me to, to, to relay the message uh, that you've given to me. Help me to relay it. Uh, help me not to uh, be confusing. Uh, help me not to mess things up. But help me to be a messenger that rightly divides the word of truth today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. Psalm 63 is such a powerful psalm, and I've preached from this psalm about, I guess, five or six years ago. I'm not going to preach the same message. As a matter of fact, I'm going to draw your attention to one verse, and then I'm going to show you how this psalm, how this will help us to accomplish the goal of verse number 8. Psalm 63 in verse 8, David writes, and he says, My soul followeth hard after thee. Thy right hand upholdeth me. Now that's an interesting terminology to to follow hard after someone. Uh, I would dare say nobody used that in conversation this past week. 
Uh, probably nobody said those words exactly. You know, I'm really following hard uh, after my career, or I'm really following hard uh, after this relationship, or I'm really following hard after this goal. We don't use that terminology, but I want you to see what it means, and I want you to see that we do follow hard after things. This passage says that David was following hard after God. Well, we see in Psalm 63 that David was on the run. He was away from Jerusalem. And we know that because he says that he has a desire to get back to the sanctuary, uh, the temple that was there in Jerusalem. And so David is running probably from Saul or perhaps running from his son Absalom, but he's in a, a physical place where he cannot physically get back to the temple, but he longs to be there. And I want to tell you this morning that where you are physically is not as important as where you are spiritually. Let me say that again. I was hoping to get a better response. And it's going to be a long message if I have to repeat everything, okay? Where you are physically today is not as important as where you are spiritually and you maybe can't control some, some physical circumstances, right? Maybe there's some, some, some things in life that, that are out of your control. But you can control where you are spiritually. Because that's not up to your spouse. That's not up to your kids. That's not up to your parents. That's not up to your pastor. Now, I hope I can help you with that. But at the end of the day, I can't walk with God for you. I can't read your Bible for you. I can't pray for you. You're going to have to do that for yourself. And so when David says he is following hard after God, here's what that means. That term means to follow close behind, to cleave to someone, to stay close, to follow close, to stick with or to catch by pursuit. That's interesting because David had experienced this in other areas. Let me give you a few verses. You don't have to turn there. But 1 Samuel 14, the Bible says, the men of Israel, when they heard that the Philistines fled, even they also followed hard after them in battle. So David's a military man, right? David knew what it was to go into battle. And there were times when David would say, I am following hard after the enemy. What does that mean? It means I'm going to catch them. It means I'm going to take care of this. I'm going to settle this battle once and for all. I'm not going to let the enemy get away and then they come back later and give me grief. So David had experienced what it was to, to chase after an enemy. But then David had also experienced what it was like to have his enemies chasing after him. And he said, I've had some people that have followed hard after me. I've had some people that were closing in on me. And here's what he says. He says, I want that same intensity. I want that same passion when it comes to following hard after God. You see, this idea of following hard after someone or something, this is intense. This is not casual Christianity we're talking about. This is not you come to Sunday morning and you go to church and you go home and you never think about God again until next Sunday morning. Now, by the way, if that's where you are spiritually, I'm glad you're in church. That, this is a good place to be. But if that's where you are spiritually, that's not where you should stay. 
If God only consumes your thoughts on Sunday mornings at 11 o'clock, that's a problem. Because God desires to have a relationship with you. God wants to be everything that you need. And by the way, he can be and he will be everything you need when you trust him. We sing the song with the kids, uh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I've got him on my mind. We sing that in uh, school chapel. We sing it at Kids Crusade, and we'll do it uh, in uh, uh, the children's choir and all that. But then we'll make up verses for it. Uh, when I go to school, I've got him on my mind. Uh, when I'm eating breakfast, I've got him on my mind. Some of you got breakfast out of your mind. You got lunch on your mind now. When I'm eating lunch, you know, all that. And that's not just a song. That ought to be the way we live our lives, that we have Jesus Christ on our minds, that we can't live without him, that we need him every day. I need thee every hour. That ought to be our desire. So David says, my goal is to follow hard, to follow close, to stay close to God no matter what happens. I want to be with him. This was intense. This was crucial. This was life and death. This was something to be taken very seriously. This was an opportunity that David saw that he needed to seize upon every day. And friend, I want to tell you, every day we have an opportunity to follow closely to the Lord. Every day we have an opportunity to stay close to God. In this context, we see that David is not talking about an enemy. He is not talking about someone who is trying to get away from him. But in this context... David is talking about a God who loves him. And friend, I want to tell you, as you follow closely with God, the Bible says you draw nigh to God, and what does he do? He draws nigh unto you. The Bible tells us that God desires to have a relationship with us. That is why man was created. God created Adam and Eve for the fellowship that he could have with them, and he longs to have fellowship today with you and I. God's not trying to get away from you. Uh, God is not running from you. You say, well, pastor, how are we supposed to or why are we supposed to pursue God if he loves us? Here's why. Because God is not going to get on board with your program. And God is not looking to get on board with my program. But God is looking for his people to get on board with his program. And as you follow and you pursue after God, that is when you get on God's best. That's when you get in on God's blessing. That's when you get on all the things that God has promised for those that follow him. I want you to hold your place in Psalm 63. And I want you to look back with me in the book of Ruth. You go to Joshua, Judges, then you'll find the book of Ruth, Ruth chapter 1. We find the same word in the Hebrew. It's not the same word in English. We find the same exact word in Ruth chapter 1 that we find in Psalm 63. In Psalm 63, it's to follow hard or to follow close or to, uh, to stay close. But in Ruth chapter 1, we find the story of Naomi. Her husband, Elimelech, has died. Uh, her sons, Malon and Chilion, have died. And now she is saying goodbye to her daughters-in-law, Ruth and Orpah. And as she's saying goodbye to Ruth and Orpah, it says in verse 14 of Ruth chapter 1, and they lifted up their voice and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth, what's that next word? Clave unto her. In the Hebrew, that word clave is the same exact word as Psalm 63, 8, where it means to follow hard after something. And so what we see in Ruth is she said, Naomi, 
I am going to stick with you. I'm going to cleave unto you. I'm going to follow so closely to you. Now, sometimes we say that. Let's be honest. It's easy to leave church on a Sunday and say, I want to follow God. That's our theme for the year. I want to follow Jesus. Wonderful. But notice what happened in Ruth's situation. Verse number 15. She said, behold, thy sister-in-law has gone back unto her people and unto her gods. Return thou after thy sister-in-law. Naomi said to Ruth, Ruth, you probably should just go back to what you know. You should probably go back to your family. Your, your, your sister-in-law, she's going back. You've got a different way of life. You've got a different culture. You have different gods that you worship. And she said, you probably should go back and not follow me. <laughs> but notice verse 16. And Ruth said, entreat me not to leave thee or to return from following after thee. For whither thou goest, I will go. And where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people and thy God, my God. Where thou diest will I die, and there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if aught but death part thee and me. And verse 18, when she, that is Naomi, saw that she, Ruth, was steadfastly minded to go with her, then she left speaking unto her. You know what Naomi realized? She realized that Ruth was serious about this thing. Ruth said, Naomi, I'm going where you go. I'm following you. Your God is my God. Your people are my people. Where you die, I'm going to die. Where you live, I'm going to live. I'm sticking with you. And when Naomi saw that, she said, no way I'm talking her out of that. And friend, I hope we have that same kind of commitment. And I hope we have that same kind of determination not to follow a person. Not to follow a family member, not to follow a pastor, not to follow a person that, that is a human being, but to follow Jesus Christ, the Son of God who loves you and gave himself for you. I hope that we could say today, I want to follow hard after Christ. Philippians chapter 3, you don't have to turn there, but Paul writes something very similar. It's not the same word, but it's a similar word. Paul writes in Philippians 3, 14, he says, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. That word press, it means to pursue, it means to run after, it means to chase after, it means to earnestly endeavor to acquire something. And Paul said, I'm living my whole life because I want to know Christ. I'm living my whole life because I want to please him. I'm living my whole life because I want to be closer to Jesus today than I was yesterday. And friend, I hope you have that same desire. I know I do. You know, I don't want just the status quo. I don't want to just come to church and go through the motions and then go through the week and then do it all over again next Sunday. But I want to follow close to Christ. I want to walk with him. I want to know him. Notice with me in Psalm 63, how can we get to a place in our lives where we follow hard after God? Number one, I see there must be a longing. Psalm 63, verse 1, David writes and he says, O God, thou art my God, early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee, my flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. There was a longing. Now we don't have in North Carolina, we don't have deserts here. I know it gets hot, but it doesn't get that dry. But how many of you have ever been in a desert? Let me see your hands. You've been in a desert, I mean a hot desert. All right, put your hands down. You know something about the desert? It's like your skin dries out. 
it's like you can almost, almost like on your tongue, just kind of that grainy, sandy taste or feel. And you're just, you, you, you just, you could just use a drink of water. You're just so thirsty. It's so hot. It's so miserable. You just need some relief. Well, friend, you may be in that place spiritually today. Maybe you feel like that you've not gotten a drink of water. Maybe you've not gotten the fellowship that comes from knowing God. Maybe you've not had the joy and you've not had the, the excitement and the, the thrill that comes from knowing God. I want to tell you, you don't have to stay in that dry and barren land. You don't have to stay in that desert place, but you can experience God in your life and you can experience a relationship with Him that is real. David said, early will I seek thee. That word early, obviously it means to do something early in the day. But it also has the idea of doing something early in life. Now, I'm going to ask, and we've got our, our um, three and a half and four-year-olds. They already start in their junior church. The nurseries already are out. And then we dismiss the kindergarten through the third grade. So if you are fourth grade and up all the way to seniors in high school, would you stand? So if you're still in high school, middle school, or elementary, would you stand all over the room? And we had a Pretty good number in the early service. Not nearly as many young people in the early service, but this is great. Now, keep standing. Isn't this a beautiful sight? See all these young people? You know what all of us would say to these young people? We want you to choose to know God early in life. Don't wait till you're 30. Don't wait till you're 40. Don't wait till you're 50. Don't wait till you're 60. Don't wait till you're retired. Live for God right now. That's what Solomon wrote. He said, after all the things he learned and all the things he experienced, he said, remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth. These are the best days for you to live for God. These are the best days for you to serve God. These are the days when you need to seek God. And David said, I want to seek God early in life. I'll let you young people sit down. Can I challenge you to live for God now? You say, oh, well, when I'm adult, I'll start living for God then. You know, maybe not. And I thank God some adults uh, get saved. Some adults get right with God. Some people later in life, they, they turn back to God. But don't wait till that time. Set a course right now in your youth to say, I'm going to seek God early. I'm going to give my life to God now. Not just early in life, but early in marriage. I used in the early service, I used Garrett as an example. Of course, he had, we just had asked him, he said he'd been married for two years. You know what we would say to all of our young couples here? We would say, live for God and make God number one early in your marriage. We would say, make God priority early on in your family. Don't wait till your kids are teenagers. Don't wait till your kids are in college. Don't wait till your kids are adults to teach them about God. Teach them what they need to know about the Bible while they are young. Make it a priority early in life, early in marriage, early with your children. How about this? Early in your week. You know what you've done today? You've put God in the proper place the first day of the week. That's why we come to church on Sunday. It's the day that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. And so every Sunday, since that resurrection day, every Sunday is a celebration that Jesus Christ is not in the grave. He's not like every other religious leader. He's not dead. He's not buried. He's not in the tomb. He's alive. He conquered death. And so every Sunday, we get to come to church, and we, on the first day of the week, we give God glory and praise, and we give Him our time every Sunday because this is the Lord's day, it belongs to him. But David said, I have a desire. 
I have a longing. Early will I seek thee. I have a, a thirsting for God. My flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. Not only a longing, but quickly, number two, I see there's a looking. David said in verse two, to see thy power and thy glory, so as I have seen thee in the sanctuary. Now, think about David's life. David, I believe David was given many of the psalms that he recorded. I think he was given many of those psalms when he was outside. And how many of you love, how many of you love nature? How many of you love being outside? Isn't that wonderful? Uh, the heavens declare the glory of God, right? And the, the firmament showeth his handiwork. But David didn't say, I want to see thy power and thy glory as I've seen in nature. He didn't say that. He also didn't say, I've, I've seen thy glory and thy power on the battlefield. By the way, he saw God's glory and power on the battlefield. Remember when he faced Goliath? Remember, he said, this day that all the earth may know that there is a God in heaven and, and God gave him the victory over Goliath, he saw God's power on the battlefield. But he didn't long for that. I think he saw God's glory in the palace. He was the king. He was the amazing king. He was the mighty king. And God blessed him. And can you imagine what it would have, would have been like to sit on the throne and to have people at your beck and call and all the riches in the world? And he had all of that. But he said, that's not. The greatest place that I've experienced God's glory and power. He said, the greatest place I've experienced it is in the sanctuary. It was in the house of God. And friend, I want to tell you, I've seen God's glory and I've seen God's power many times in the house of God. I've seen revivals. I've seen conferences. I've seen, I've been in services where the preacher was preaching and you could tell that the Holy Spirit of God was at work. You could feel it. And you walked out of that service and you said, praise God, he met with us today. Praise God, God did something in us. But did you know that the greatest need that we have to see God's power and his glory is we have a need for a personal revival. I don't just want God to do something in everybody else. I don't just want to leave a church and say, well, I'm glad God met with all those folks in there because they sure needed it. I want God to work on me. And did you know the only person that is stopping you from having a personal revival is the person you look at in the mirror. It's the person I look at in the mirror. You know how we need a reviving in our hearts. You know how we need God to do something in us. And that doesn't have to be an event on the church calendar. That doesn't have to be an event where we post, post a, 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 a posters and, 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 and flyers and banners and we advertise it on Facebook and we put it on our website. No, a personal revival, you can schedule that for any day you want. And did you know God wants to meet with you? And God wants to be close to you. And God desires to do a work in your life. And the only thing stopping you from following hard after God is you. And the only thing stopping me from following hard after God is me. It's not my wife's fault. It's not my kid's fault. It's not my parents' fault. It's not my coworkers' fault. It's not my environment's fault. It's not society's fault. It's not the stock market's fault. It's not anybody else's fault but mine. If I don't follow hard after God, no one else is to blame but me. And I want to see God's power and I want to see God's glory. I want to see God do some great things again. I've seen it in the past, but I'm glad that our God is not just a God of the past, but he is the same yesterday, today, 
and forever. David had a longing, number one. Number two, there was a looking to see God work and to, to see God's power and to see God's glory. But number three, there was a loving. He says in Psalm 63, verse number three, because thy loving kindness is better than life. David had experienced God's love and God's kindness and, and God's goodness and God's mercy. And David said, God's goodness to me is better than anything else in life. Now, friend, I want to tell you, I enjoy life. I love life. God's been so good. I love my family. Uh, I love our church. I love our freedoms that we have. I love all the blessings and all that. But the greatest thing that I have in life, and the greatest thing you have in life, is God's loving kindness to you. And by the way, I wouldn't have the wife and I wouldn't have the family and I wouldn't have this church and we wouldn't have this church where we can worship God together. We wouldn't have any of that were it not for God's loving kindness. It's not because we deserve it. It's not because we work for it. It's because God in his goodness poured it out upon us. And David said, thy loving kindness is better than life. Uh, when was the last time that you told God that you love him? Now, I don't just mean like we sometimes do in our prayers without thinking. Lord, we love you. Please give us a good day. Amen. I'm not against saying those words, but I'm against saying them if you don't mean them, right? And I think we all have to work on that. The Bible says sometimes our prayers can become vain repetitions. But when was the last time you just stopped and said, God, I love you. God, you've been so good to me. God, thank you for loving me. And the reason that we love him, the Bible says, is because he first loved us. Number one, there must be a longing. Number two, a looking. Number three, a loving, a love for God, a, a love for, for who he is and a love for what he's done and a love that we have that moves us to serve him. If we love him, the Bible tells us here, thy loving kindness is better than life. My lips shall praise thee. If you love God, if I love God, we're going to praise him. Verse number five, my soul shall be satisfied. If you love God, you're going to be satisfied in him. You're going to praise him with joyful lips. Verse number four, thus will I bless thee while I live. I will lift up my hands in thy name. If you love God, there's going to be some praising going on. If, there, if you love God, there's going to be some times where, where, where that love is going to move you to action. We can say we love God. And I think if we went around the room, Yes or no? Do you love God? I think we'd have 100%. Yes, I love God. But friend, did you know God is not just interested in what we say and what we let everybody else hear, but God is interested in how we live. God is interested in our heart and our loving. May our loving be that of loving him more. And as we follow hard after God, the more we follow him, the more we're going to love him. Have you ever met people in life that, and please don't say yes, pastor, you're the first one that came to mind, but have you ever met people in life that the more you get to know them, the less you like them? And again, please don't point, don't jab your husband or wife, please. Yeah, we don't have room for everybody to come over to our house for lunch today. But have you ever, have you ever met somebody and boy, the first time you met him, you really loved him and you thought, man, it's a great person. And the more you got to know him, you thought, ah, uh, maybe not. Can I tell you, the more you get to know Jesus, to know him is to love him. And the more you get to know Jesus, the more and more you just fall in love 
with him because he is love. And when you get to know God, you will love him more. Quickly, number four, I see as we follow hard after God, there must be some learning. I like what David says in verse six, when I remember thee upon my bed and I meditate on thee in the night watches. He said, I, I, I take some time to remember what God has done and I, I take some time to meditate upon what God has done. And David is in a, a process of learning more about God. I'm the pastor of this church. Most of you know I'm the pastor. And if you're visiting uh, here, I'm the pastor. I've been here for nine and a half years and I've been in ministry for over 20 years. But can I tell you, the longer I live, the more I realize how much more I have to learn about God, the more I have to learn about the Bible. And I would say this, there's not a person in this room that does not need to learn more about God. There's not a person in this room that could say, I know God the best I'll ever know. Him. Oh, no, no, it's, it's, a, it's a lifelong journey to know God. And David said, I want to know more about God. Paul said it like this in Philippians. He said that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his sufferings. Jesus told his disciples, he said, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. To know him is to love him, and may God help us to know him better. May God help us to learn more about him every day. I want you to see in verse number seven, because thou hast been my help. David says, I've seen you do it before. Therefore, in the shadow of thy wings will I rejoice. That, that phrase, in the shadow of thy wings, is an interesting phrase. Some believe, and I think it could go either way, but I, I kind of tend to lean towards the second. But the first meaning of that phrase, uh, under the shadow of his wings, is perhaps a reference to what Jesus said about his people. He said, how often I would have gathered you under my wings as a, a, a hen would gather her chicks under it. And, and that's a good analogy of being close to God and, and being under his protection. But another possibility for this passage is the shadow of the wings of the cherubims that were over the mercy seat in the Holy of Holies. And that was a place where David could not go physically. But that was a place where only the high priest could enter into the Holy of Holies. And those cherubims, those were the, 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 the angelic beings, the, 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 the statues there that covered and that overshadowed the mercy seat, which was a picture of the throne of God, the presence of God. And David says, I'm going to trust under the shadow of thy wings, and I'm going to rejoice under the shadow of your wings. David says, I want to be in your presence. And David couldn't be in the Holy of Holies. But today, you and I can be in the Holy of Holies. We can come boldly before the throne of grace. We have direct access to the King of kings and Lord of lords. We have direct access to the creator of the universe. Number four, there must be a learning. Number five, there's a living. As a result of all this, David said, I will follow hard after God. Following God is not just saying it, but following God is doing what is necessary to stay close and to walk with him. You know, it's amazing how quickly life goes by. It's amazing to me how it just seems like you blink and another year has gone by. And you, and you blink and you say, whoa, 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 that, that couldn't have been five years ago. I was with the family this week and uh, did a funeral for a family. It does not come to our church, but dear folks, and I did a funeral for them a few years ago. 
And as we were talking, we just, we just couldn't believe how long it had been since that last. It just seemed like it was a couple months, maybe a year. And we were talking about how fast time goes by. Friend, I want to tell you, time goes so fast. Don't waste time following after the things of this world. But let's spend our time following hard after God. Let's pursue Him. Let's follow Him. And then lastly, I see number six. It's found in verse number eight. David said, my soul followeth hard after thee. Thy right hand upholdeth me. That word uphold, it means to hold up or to support. But it also has the idea of a grasp. It has the idea to hold something tightly, to hold something securely. And here's what David said. He said, I'm going to follow hard after God. And as I'm following hard after God, God is the one that's going to uphold me. God is the one that's going to support me. And I see David is leaning on God. Now, if I were to lean on this pulpit, thankfully it's a pretty solid pulpit, but if I were to lean on this pulpit, this pulpit will hold me up. But what if I lose my balance? What if I slip? What if I start leaning forward? What if I start leaning the other way? This pulpit's not going to do anything for me unless I'm leaning on the pulpit, right? That's not the way God works. God will support you as you lean on him. But as we fall, he's going to hold us fast. He's going to support us. He's going to hold us tight because his grasp is a mighty strong grasp. Because his grip cannot be weakened. His grip cannot come undone. So David says, I'm leaning upon God's hand to uphold me. Today, I want to tell you that there are things that you can lean on that will not hold you up. There are things that you can put your trust in and they will not help you when things get hard. But I'm glad there's a God in heaven that as we follow hard after him, as we follow close after him, he with his right hand, the hands that hold the universe the hands that put the sun, moon, and stars and planets into orbit, those hands are powerful enough to uphold us in our times of need. And those are some hands that I want to be held up by. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.